Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTontis. I am bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck's House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me in this short week, in the middle of the week, Jeff Foles, Bill Cooksey. Guys, is, is this week screwed up? For y'all, Boy, it, it is. Screwed up. Monday, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like these long weekends, though. I'm not going. I'm not complaining, though. <laughs> I, it was a nice I long weekend, it. so that was good. Me I'm, and you both. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm about to be on the road, so I'm. I, I was glad to get a little time off. There you go. Yeah, it was a um, much needed long weekend, but more so than anything, you know. Great time, you know, to just sit back and think about all the fallen soldiers, you know, and that protected our country and died for our country. And, you know, we talk about all these problems here that I've got or anybody else has had or whatever, it means nothing to what those boys had, you know. So, nope. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I ride Harleys all the time and, and uh, I do a lot of these honor flights. And are you guys familiar with what those are? Yeah. Yeah, that's a you know it's a it's a basic for the folks that don't you know it's basically a, it's a, a lot of veterans uh, you know from all the wars that are still alive in different counties and different areas and towns and whatever will get on a bus and they go to uh, they get on a bus go to the airport and here they go to a bus and go to St Louis and then they get on uh, they leave like Quincy Hannibal Illinois which is about two hours hour and forty five minutes from the airport go to the airport. Three or four o'clock in the morning, get on plane, fly to Washington, to go to all the monuments and all the, you know, the wall and everything out there, and see all that stuff, and then they fly back on that same day. It's pretty rough on them, old boys. But on their way back, uh, they're on a big bus that takes them back, and uh, from the time they leave that airport to the time they get back, they're escorted with a motorcycle ex- es- uh, escort. And uh, at, there's different points that we stop. You know, pe- one people crew will stop, and the next one will take over. And it's really a, you know, it used to be. Now they'll pull over, but it used to be they would keep coming up the interstate. State police would stop the traffic on the interstate, come up through there. We'd be on the off ramp, lined up, maybe 250, 300 bikes, and uh, we jump in. But there'll be a leader with a flag, and he's he'll get out in front. Once he passes and goes over, we all pass the bus, and we get out and we lead them to you know, escort them to their, uh, where their, their destination, where they're getting off the bus. And then they go into gymnasium and, and, uh, they call off and tell what they did and where, and, you know, you know, who they are and all that. So it's really a cool thing to go to. And along the way, 
people know about this and there'll be people on the overpasses and fire trucks and flags and all this, you know, so it's, it's quite a deal to do that, you know? And, and, uh, I remember one time there was a crew went to my hometown of Pleasant Hill and on the way back, uh, on the way up there, I mean, I mean, it was raining to beat the band and cold, one of those cold fall rains, you know? And so I remember I got the honor. I, I said, they said, just take your bike and go on. Get out of here. You know, don't wait on us because you wait on all getting the bus. I said, dude, you laid in the trenches for me. I can surely make a motorcycle ride and escort you back. So I did. And it was a, they hooped and hollered and stuff, you know, but it's just an honor to be, you know, to do that for them, you know, so, sure. uh, so, so yeah, I mean, if, it's, uh, you, you, we can't give those guys enough credit, you know, for what they did, you know, and, and, uh, thanks for what they did for us, you know, keep us free. That's exactly I mean, right. Summer, you know, summer kind of officially starts on Memorial Day. You, you mm-hmm. know, as it, it gets as it gets warmer and warmer, man, I, the last thing on a lot of people's mind is hunting right now. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. Be in my shop with the phone. It's like a Maytag repair shop here right now. <laughs> Phones don't even ring. Now that they ain't no, thinking about time it. of year, it's fun to watch other people in their boating. Right, I had a good yeah. time with that over the weekend. Watching people run aground on sandbars and creek mouths, <laughs> that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah. If if you have side, if you have a boat with side imaging on the depth finders, you learn what those skeg marks look like when they get up shallow. And this is the these are the days when those are left. Right. Right, <laughs> and it just yeah, I, I get tickled every time. Yeah, the Mississippi River's full of dikes, rock dikes out here. I mean, full of them, and wow. you don't know where they're at. And most people, a lot of them, don't, and you don't know where to cross them. That you don't stay out in the main channel. People get off the main channel as soon as they do. Boy, I always take your back back slew back here. Well, that's where the dikes are at. And yeah, well, many a lower unit's been left, and props been left on there, and bent shafts and everything on the dikes up here. You know, it's a outboard mechanic's right. best friend in rock dikes. <laughs> yeah, it's I, not fun when you when you get one of them. This this may be a stupid question. We'll jump back into the story in just a second. Stupid question: Is it easier to navigate the river when it's full, or when it's uh, you know, below average height? Uh, for the Mississippi, I like it down Illinois, down here. I, yeah, uh, it it is nice. more people get in trouble when it's down, but but like right now, I mean, you can go anywhere, you know, in it right now. But um, yeah, you got when ours is down, they they dredge the Mississippi and the Illinois River, so you know, with dredges, the core does all the time, you know. And what they do is they dredge that out and throw that sand off the side, and anymore, all they care about is that main channel, you know, for the barges. So you can get yourself in trouble right now. They really changed change the river, you know, by throwing that sand up. So when the river's down, man, you can get yourself trapped in some of these back slews and stuff. So, but, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of either way. It doesn't matter to me, you know. But right now, the, this uh, water being up, you know, it's, there's probably less people around here get, you know, get the motors tore up, you know. <laughs> so there's a lot of water. It, right. It, but more dangerous. From a, from a physics standpoint the velocity of the water you know it, it, to me it's always and I, i've heard it both ways i've heard people give polar opposite opinions on this you know when the river's up it's like a big reservoir you 
you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. still moving, but it, but it's like a huge lake that's moving. But when you funnel mm-hmm. that thing down into a channel, that thing starts moving real fast. Mm-hmm. Bill, when that's the case. In this, go ahead. Oh, in, this, in this Mississippi and Illinois, I would say that, you know, it's it's kind of opposite because the water's raising and lowering, you know, when it's high, you know, so there is a current. I mean, it is so swift, it's unbelievable. You can go out there, you wouldn't believe how fast you're going down it right now. You know, when they start dropping it, like they were dropping it the other day and I was up in a slough fishing it, man, it just, you couldn't even fish it's going, the current was so bad. But when they drop this and they hold their pools and all the dams hold their gates and stuff and it's all that, it's pretty calm up here then when it's a normal pool. It, it's a different river up there from, from what we have here. You know, you, I've always yeah, said you, yeah, you it, get below, it, it, especially it, it, you get below where the Ohio comes in, and it's a different river. Would you exactly. rather be on the yeah, river when it's fun. real high, Bill, or real low? Not real low, but just below average. I, I like it either low or really high where I never even have to get near it. I'm putting a boat in, you know, a mile away from the river. Um that in between is, to me, one of the times I get nervous, just because there's so much stuff there, and, and you know when it's super high, as, as Jeff said, there's really you can go anywhere, uh, and when it's low, things are a lot more obvious in this part of the world. To me, uh, you get in between, and you can get yourself in trouble. I've you know I've always said somebody could start one of the most interesting TV shows or by, I don't now we're into computer and webisodes but you sit down with the tugboat captain he's he's about like he he's about like sitting down with a uh what did Kramer say in Seinfeld if you if you get around a proctologist or a, a plumber you better sit back and and enjoy the stories but a tugboat captain that works the Mississippi River is one of the most interesting people you will ever mm-hmm. talk to. Yeah, I've got some really good friends that are, you know that have been and are now and all that, and it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. There's one of them. There's a bride where I'm at. There's a lift span bridge, and uh, <clears throat> it's been here for seventy some years, all my life it has been. And uh, I've in fact as an iron worker, I've worked on it many a time. But the whole when the when a barge comes. The bells go off, the flags go down, and up goes the center span of the bridge, you know. And so it's up for 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes till the barge goes through, and boy, everybody's, you know, trying to beat the bridge or trying to get back, and it can really screw you up, and there's a lot of cussings. That bridge got cussed more times than anything in this county, probably. But um, anyway, he'll get it. It's kind of cool because he knows everybody here. He'll get on Facebook and, goes up Facebook and say, bridge is going to be going up in 15, 20 minutes, you know. So everybody will hustle to the <laughs> get across the river. But, but yeah, they do have some unbelievable stories from, you know, shallow waters to high waters to losing barges to finding mushrooms in Wisconsin. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, so, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, there's some cool stories from those little boys. You, you've yeah. spent some time in a boat on that river and, and just feeling the power of that current. It gives you quite an appreciation for what those guys are able to do, how they pilot those barges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's right. truly unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's 
unreal the power of some of the bigger ones, you know. And then I worked on the uh, the Nuremberger. I worked on the Alton Mocking Dam for eight and a half years, and and building that dam. And and uh, <clears throat> talk about experience, you know. Just and I was in charge. I was a general foreman in charge of you know that all the big iron and the gates and all that to weigh 175, 200 ton, and trying to move them around on barges and get them and then pick them off the crane with a, you know. And then you take a crane on top of a barge sitting there, and he picks it up and goes in the barge lifts back and forth, and it's it's quite an experience to work on that river, you know, all the time or setting a bridge and you you don't think about it when when you build that bridge, you got those beams going across there, you're walking across there, but while you're walking, you're looking down at the beam and the motion of the current of the river is going underneath of you you know i mean it really throws you off you know as you're walking you know so it's ever you know they always said two things in my life don't have any friends that's uh, the iron has no friends and the river has no friends so you better respect both of them you know, in my life yeah Woo. yep I've, not I've seen a lot of people up here uh you know i mean there's been a lot a lot of drownings up here in boat and accidents and stuff that i've seen and and uh spacers on a down on on the uh you know, on that dam for so many years, there were four or five guys that, you know, got picked up that are drowned or whatever. And, and all I can say is that is not a pretty sight. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to see that. No. So, or you don't want to see a family. Uh, I was working, uh, when in high school years, working at an outboard place here on the Mississippi river and put these people's boat in a pontoon boat in, put it in for them, a man and wife or two little kids. And they were going up to a sand, a lot of sandbars up here. And these sandbars, people don't realize they get an undercurrent up there and cuts the sand out from underneath them. You know, there's a moment's notice it can, you know. So these people up there, no life jackets on the kids, you know, and foot deep water. And next thing you know, one, you know, they're gone. They, You know, they save the girl and little boy drowned, you know. And then here comes those people come in at the boat, you know, and, oh, my gosh, that's a, it's one of the saddest things you ever see, you know, with that look on their face, looking for help, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. So the river's got no friend. You got to respect it all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, last week I, I knew it was going to be one of the best episodes that we recorded, respecting the resource, and it ended up being that way. Uh, a lot of people listened to that episode. Uh, I probably probably got in more trouble from people that listened to the episode because. People thought that I was disrespecting you by talking about that. And in, in any sense, I was relating that international game warden story to my visit with the federal game warden because in that article it talks about respecting the resource. And then the in the sense of my visit with the federal game warden, you know, that was a subject or a quote or a few words that he kept saying over and over and over respect the resource respect the mm-hmm. resource and so it kind of related to me to that article a little bit you know i i know a lot of the if you if you went back and read that article and and jeff you've read that article numerous numerous times and it, it's probably mm-hmm. made you mad and upset but um, oh, I've had my blood pressure up reading it before. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I was trying to do with that article as it pertains to a game board and talking about re- respecting the resource, I was trying to put you in his shoes. Whether in, 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 If you read the article and you kind of get the, what do you call the emotions of an article? 
the what's the word I'm looking for? Oh Lord, um, you don't want me to say I'm, what you're about to. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to answer. I'm the blind. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the guy. You can tell the guy's just a little left leaning that wrote the article. Mm-hmm. He's he um, a little politically motivated. It's, yeah, you got to remember the name of where who gets this magazine, Game Warden Magazine. So you got to remember who's, who's got you know. It, it was important to talk about, and it's important for people to hear because when oh, I agree. If law enforcement, mm-hmm. if that is their mindset, whether you agree with it or not, that doesn't really matter. If you know their mindset or how they think about a certain issue it's going to make it a lot easier for you to be on the right side in the future. So you at least know when you're on the wrong side why why they're down on you a little bit. Um, that is just personal opinion. So uh, I think it was important to cover. Uh, I think like it, would, it, was it was all good. A, it was all good. But, um, right. you know, the problem I had with that article is, like I said last week, you know, I don't think he was truthful in anything. I think he was it, was. it was more about putting a feather at his hat than anything. And uh, I'm I'm all about re- the respect of the resource. But with with him saying that stuff in that article, how about respecting the human being? How about respecting the guy you're talking about a little bit? You know, uh, I don't know. He, I've always said he's he, he You know, he was just out to put a feather at his hat. You know, and if it was all 100 percent true, I'm all for it. And I would tell you that. You know. I'm, but he, you know, he, he, I don't believe, no way to prove him wrong, but in my mind, he, you know, he just, just tried to put a feather at his hat. But anyway, and it was, if you keep reading in that, in that, if you read it and you read it real hard and look at it, it's, it's his opinion in that article. Yeah, it doesn't qualify so, as journalism. No. Exactly. I, I'm not saying whether or not he should write it for a game board, man. I'm just saying it does not qualify as journalism. No, it's almost no, like exactly. editorial piece. That's what I'm. That's what yeah. I'm getting. Getting. That's exactly yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So. All right. So let, look. Well, I didn't mean to get you any trouble. No, 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 no. It, a lot of people just said, "Man, you were disrespectful to to bring that out to 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 Jeff." I said, "Listen, I, I'm just trying to put yourself in that guy's shoes that investigated it." There, there was something driving that guy to, you know, to come down that hard, that harsh. Well, you got to come back to this a little bit, though. Um, he got involved after the fact. He wasn't involved till after the uh, undercover guys or whatever. He come down and got it started. You know, and, and uh, you know, if you put him on a lie detector stand like there, he's going to tell you, I think he was the one to come down and talk to the ex-wife and, and the other guy, you know. So <clears throat> you got to keep going back to how this got started. And then, in my opinion, it started an investigation. And, you know, again, like I said, I think you got so much involved in it at one time, you got to go, hey, we got to make something of this. We've spent a lot of money. Let's investigate this farther. So we're gonna, we got to get something. So. And I think that's when he went in full force. So, well, anyway. Jeff, I want to say this. <laughs> well, today I want to I discuss some of the 
uh, some of the indictments. And, I, and I've got that list right in. And we kind of started on this two weeks ago, but I want to walk back through this because I didn't have the list in my hands. But let's make this clear up front. All right. You had 23. There was 23 Three. federal mm-hmm. indictments, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How many of those okay. at the end of the day were you convicted on? None. Just no, to make no. sure that everybody's no, no, they aware. Were all, they were, we... no, no, wait. So everybody knows here, those were all felony indictments. 23 felony indictments. Okay, that's a way lot different than what ended up at the at the end. And it ended up two misdemeanors. Can you, as I go across these, Jeff, and Bill, please jump in at any point, ask questions. But as I go across these, I, w- I want you to just, can you make some short comments on it, Jeff? Then I want to try to get into some immunity, immunity uh, okay. stuff today. Yeah, like right. I said, most of these 23 or most are all the same over and over, just a different date for different people. Let's see here. It says, knowingly engaged conduct involving the sale or purchase of wildlife named the ducks and geese with the market vet. That well, I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, let me go to the next spot. I got them almost memorized. If you want me to, I'll bet. Let's see. <laughs> um. All right. In or around November 2003, Fall sold and guided a migratory waterfowl hunt at a club. Um, and then they list initials D. JM and MH and two other hunters which are which the group at Foyle's direction killed at least eleven mallard ducks in excess of the sum of the hunters daily bag limits. You remember okay. that? Well, I'm gonna ask any hunter out there, do you remember a hunt that happened to you back on a certain date on November twenty sixth on two thousand three? Nobody remembers the exact hunt. You know, you got a brief idea. I don't remember exactly what happened, but you got to remember in this, you've got to remember the individual bag limits. Party hunt doesn't say in there as a group or over the limit. Doesn't say it at all. Individual bag limits. Individual. So that could mean your Rocky, group shot over. And yeah, so you could be six people in the pit. Doesn't mean you come out of there with forty-six ducks or forty-seven ducks, which would be eleven over. It, that that does that's not what that means. What it means is is individual limits. It's, you could have we could have we could have come out of with thirty ducks instead of six people. And I don't know how many people's in it, but but let's, I'm just giving you an example. We could have come out of thirty ducks, and to get the immunity, they say, well, I only shot three ducks that day, you know, and I only shot three. So foils and those guys must have shot all the rest of them, you know. So that's well between three or four of the guys, we'd eleven ducks over the limit. Well. Not as a pit limit, as a group, you know, as an individual. That's why they keep using that individual limits in there. Right. Well, and that that's kind of where that's party hunting. Twenty, which is 20, illegal. Which is illegal. I'm not saying I'm not saying this is legal. It's illegal. I I, I agree, you know I agree that it is illegal. I don't agree with I agree with the the, the rule, but you know, it, but it's illegal. 
Here's one in November of 2003. You directed or which group of false direction killed at least one duck in excess of the sum hunters' individual bag limits. Now, want people to understand kind of what <laughs> Jeff's saying. Let's say there's six of you out there hunting. Five of you killed your 20 mallards. Oh, Larry hadn't killed but uh, Larry's killed three or two. And Joe and Mo killed the other two. So that puts him over the limit. That's kind of the way you're explaining it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What it is at the individual level, you're allowed. You know, and most of these ducks, I mean, you know, and, and, and like I went back to the baiting thing, you know, when I was arguing with most bait thing, you know, 98% or 95% of the ducks we killed were mallards. So four birds, and if we killed four mallards out there, like me, us three go out there, me and you Bill go out there hunting and we at my place, and we killed four mallards, and we killed them in 30 minutes, I'm going to say, come on, boys, let's go. And you might look at yep. me and go, well, you ain't killed nothing else. Let's get out of here. We're done. You know, we're not going to sit out here and watch all these mallards come in. So when we had four mallards for everybody in there, we were out. Now, you may catch a wood duck or a teal or whatever. You know, a certain time of the year we get, you know, take six guys out there and kill 36 teal. But not very often, you know. But more more so than no, I mean, all my guys knew that and everything. When everybody had their four mallards, we were out the door, you know. So, so you can take this rule and go back and hardly never, ever were we over the limit per se as a, a group of ducks, you know, may, you know, maybe of mallards. So you follow, follow where I'm at here? Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, now let's go to some, and everybody. They, let's, let's let's go to this. How did they come up with that? So how do in your mind? How do you think they come up with that? With that? How do they come up with that? When the only thing they had to go by was they look at this kill sheet and they see Bill's down for four mallards that day. You're down for four mallards that day. I'm down for four mallards and Cole for four mallards right there. Okay, so we got, we're not over the limit that day, but how did they come up with the individual limits is over? How did they know that? The Number community. one, I'll, I'll take this out of, of it. Thank you. Thank, there you go, right there. There you go. Yeah, two ways, direct observation, which if you set up on a deal, you're no way you're going to tell who killed that duck out of that deal. No way. Mm-hmm. And they, that wasn't what happened. As I go back and say, they stopped, they stopped at the club, I don't know, five, six, seven times, whatever it was, and never got a ticket once for anything. We, wasn't, we didn't do anything. So that wasn't happening. You could see all around the place. So it wasn't, that wasn't a deal. So they only had one other way to get that. And how do you think they come up with that? Interviewing. Yeah. You know how I many of them people they interviewed over all those years? A ton of them. A I'll bunch of them, a bunch of the hunters. So, Bill, you you and Rocky hunted with me on. Let's go to this on. Uh, this is this is 2019. In 2016 or 17, you guys hunted with me on November 6th, and uh, we went out there. It looks like you guys all killed your limit. Now, Bill, it says that you killed that day. That you killed two mallard hens a mallard drake, a shoveler, and a bluebell. Okay? Rocky mm-hmm. kind of did the same thing. with It's all wrote down on that list. And, and uh, so you t- let me ask you a question, or anybody that's out there. Can you remember what you killed 
personally that day? Nope. If I ask you of a hundred, it would be a rarity. It would be a rarity. I mean, and all three of us are up shooting and all that there, and how do you know that? Yeah. So the question gets is this, because I've heard all the guys tell me tell me how it went. All right, Bill, you, you you paid for a hunt. You and Rocky come up and paid for a hunt at Foyles' place. We got you here that day. Could it be a possibility that Foyles may have shot your ducks? Well, I don't know. What would your answer be? Maybe. I don't know. We all got our limit. Yeah, but, right. but did you actually kill all of your ducks that day, Bill? Well, I don't know. Well, could it have been maybe Foyles shot, you know, two of your ducks and two of Rocky's ducks? Well... You know, he shot all the time. He's a pretty good shot. He's there. Yeah, it could be a possibility. Boom, we got one. Indictment. There you go. Hmm. That's, go right down that line. You know, if you lie on this and we find out, you could go to jail on this. You know, you could go to jail on this and get tickets. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't do nothing. We did well, well, you know, we could come back on this and you could go to jail because you shot over the living hair or something. But you sure foiled the other Yeah, it probably was. Now, I do have a funny well, story Jeff, about this here that I'd like to. <laughs> but go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, then I want to start. Well, I got a funny list. story about this. Most of these people on this immunity deal were just weak. I told you before, I, kind of, I understood it because of the pressure they put on it, you know. And not everybody's built the same. But there was a hunt. One of the, and this was on one of the indictments. I don't know which one it is. There was a hunt in uh, Braidwood, Illinois. And the geese were up there. I mean, they were good. I mean, they're all over the place up there. When Braidwood, Illinois gets good, it is unbelievable. So, anyway, I just go up and Mazzoni Hunt Club every year. But anyway, we're up there. We're up there hunting a week before. And I think it was me, Cole, this Tim McGowan guy probably, the ten, two camera guys, uh, Paul Sawyer, Brian Renniger. Okay, so we're up there, and it's just smoked them. I mean, killed them good, you know. And two two birds apiece, and killed them good. And then they would send out another part, you know, standby hunters. And if anybody doesn't know what a standby hunter at a club is, is they're killing a lot of geese or ducks or whatever. Most of the geese happen in Southern Illinois all the time. As a guide, you'd stay out there, and, hey, we got two more hunters coming out. Just come in. They'd send two more hunters out, get their limit, and they'd go. So, so. They kept me, all the standby hunters, so we could keep filming, see, and get more footage. So we went this week, got great footage, and it was so good the next week was awesome also. So, But I had to be in Colorado, and uh, I would go out there for two to three weeks with Stillwater Outfitter. And it, it's unbelievable out there, so I wasn't going to pass this up. So me, Big Sean Hammock, and Brian Renniger take off and go to Colorado. All right, and we're going out there, and it was phenomenal good. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Tim McGowan, you drive Cole up. He's only 15. You drive him up. I'll set up the hunt. Paul Sawyer, you film the hunt, and you go up there, and then I'll get uh, my, uh, my, one of my pro staffers who guides up there, Scott Lovell or Brad Hendricks, those guys. And they can come up there, and then I'll get I'll call two or three more guys to come down and pay for a hunt, and they'll go in there, so go in the, you know in on the you know the blind and go hunting with you. Okay, so McGowan takes. Of course, I pay for all this. I'm 14 hours away in Colorado, 
So they go up. I set the whole hunt up, and Paul Sawyer says, hey, do you, mind, you think they'd mind if uh, Pete Alfano, uh, which was his partner in Whitetail Properties, mind if you think they'd mind if Pete, now Pete's a deer hunter, never waterfowled hunting much. Well, do you think he'd mind, they might be going? I said, well, I'll see, whatever. I'll film it, you know, and whatever. And I said, okay. So I called the outfitter, or the outfitter, and he said, yeah, no problem. Bring them up. You know, get some good footage of geese everywhere. So it was snowy, all this. And you can watch this hunt. So Paul Sawyer's filming, and, and, and you have to sign yourself in when you go in. So they write down their names and all this stuff, and Paul Sawyer signs his name in, which he has a hunting license, okay? He's got a hunt, and they also, five of them, sign in, and they go, they go in there, and they end up killing everybody killed their geese, including the cameraman. That's all their geese. Then two more of my friends from up at Bloomington knew how good it was, so they come up and paid for a hunt and went in that pit, and they were on a film, too. And so, okay, so, and, and, and they killed their limit, okay? They ain't over limit. They didn't do anything. This is how bad it was. Sawyer tells them, this is the weak individuals. Well, you were up there that day. Did you shoot your birds? Well, no, really. I'll let no. I was can't run a camera. I told them to shoot my birds. Why would you? Number one, why would you tell them that? But if you did that, okay, suck it up, Buttercup. You get the ticket. As far as I'm concerned, you let them right. do it. You told them to do it. So. Pete now, Pete was up here and told Pete to kill his birds, whatever. So, all right, now they smell a rat. So, did Foyles direct you to do that? Well, he was 14 hours away, and the way this video went was I would get on the phone and call Cole and talk to Cole on the phone, back and forth, wait, we got to go, wait, we got to go. It was a cool deal, you know, because we were both killing geese. I'm in Colorado killing them, he's killing them, you know, it was a cool, cool footage deal. So... They start interviewing people. <laughs> they interview my buddy Scott Lovell, great guy. So they interview him, and they said uh, they come to his work, pull him out of his work, almost got him in trouble two or three times. Finally, he just called, "Look, you either rest me or leave. You're bugging me." You know. So anyway, but the first time he talked to him, now Lovell, do you know? You know, you were uh, a guide in. Uh, at the time in Illinois, you didn't have to be, have nothing to be a guide. I mean, anybody could just walk in and say, I'm guiding the hunt, you know. The guide, there's no booklet on what a guide is supposed to do at the time. So, well, you were guiding these guys to you shoot the birds. I don't know who shot the birds. I guess he shot his own birds. I don't know who shot them. Well, the cameraman said he does. I don't know if he did or not. I was just, I'm just calling geese. Well, you're running the hunt. He goes, show me in the book where it says I got it. See, tell everybody what they got to do. I don't have to do that. It's not in the book. I don't have to do anything. I'm just calling the geese and says, kill them. So if they should get up and shoot them, they're over the limit. That's their problem, not mine. I'm not in charge of this deal. So he goes, well, tell me about this hunt on on January 2nd, you know, or January 3rd, and, and uh, blah, blah, blah. This is what ha happened when all that. Day. He goes, I don't remember. He goes, well, you killed your limit. He goes, we kill our limit a lot of times. He goes, well, it was a special day pretty special day you guys all got your limit two more guys get in there he goes we have a lot of special days so he turns around he goes looks at that uh fed and he goes what did you get for christmas last year well, i don't know why do you ask he says pretty special day you ought to remember what you got for christmas you know can you tell me and i guess the guy just looked at him he goes i'm done talking to you he goes this is all nonsense but they charged me at the end of the story at the end of the story, they end up charging me. I think one of the indictments, if you dig the 
and that was all in the paperwork right there. They charged me with him shooting, letting his buddy shoot his birds, 14 hours away. Of course, it didn't stick, but that was one of the indictments. Wow. So, and what did they do then? They walked away. Then they go, they're not, they wasn't good enough. So then they go to Bloomington and interview those guys. Well, both those guys are Italians from the old school. That's all I'll say. Of course, they didn't get far there. You know, and he, he said, well, you, he told them the same thing. It was a special day. He goes, I kill my limit every day. Ain't no big deal to me. And he does. He's a good hunter. He kills them up there. So, you know, they just get out of my hut. I got work to do, you know. So, and down the road they went. That was the end of that story. The only thing they had is what the one guy said, you know. But see how far this can go. So this went that far. And let's think about this. So there was five or six guys I know from Bloomington to Chicago to here and that, tracing them down, firing them, running them down, a lot of hours. Stuff. All this money. It comes down to dollars. How much do you think that cost for them to go interview all them people to find for two geese that were actually the camera guys who had a license? You follow what I'm saying? Right. That was just how far this this crap went. But I was pretty proud of them boys, you know, for what they said, you know, know, for sticking up to it. Anyway, so that was just, that was another one of those. Well. If you follow along as I read these out, this is number 20 and 21. We had another one in November, and during the fall of 2004, you exceeded the limit by one, which I'm sure is relating to party hunting. Um, somebody said, I didn't, I didn't shoot. Jeff shot, probably shot over one. Shot my one, which puts you over the limit. Am I right in saying that? I'd say so. I'm, they're not in front of me, but I'd say so. You know. All right. These are two that, that interest me, 22 and 23 in the list. Uh, one, in October 2004, exceeded the limit by 16 in Canada for Fallen Skies 1. And then October of 2004 mm. exceeded the daily back limit 20 by 20 Canada geese. Um, your cameraman became upset the number of geese being killed and shut off the camera. Foles ordered him to continue filming and portions of the hunt subsequently appeared in Fallen Skies 1. What about those two? you remember? I'm not sure about the first one. I'm not. The second one is it's plain as day. And, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you I'm guilty on this deal, and I'll tell you what happened there. I'll tell you exactly what happened. When I was in Canada, I wasn't out there on my own. I was, there's several years we were, but in those years of falling skies and all that there, I was with an outfitter who was one of the, you know, Alberta trophy hunts. And, I mean, they went by the book on everything. And they had unbelievable mountain ducks and geese. It was awesome. I mean, they had – the reason I stayed there for nine years is because it was just so good, you know. And sure. uh, we did, you know, filmed a lot of stuff there and all that. But he was by the book. He was by the book. So he had, and one of the reasons he was so successful, he had, oh, six or seven scouts. And anybody that's been to Canada knows that your number one important thing is scouting fields. You don't scout your fields, ain't going to be no better than it is here at home. you got to mm-hmm. find where the birds are. So they would find. So I had the best of everything. 
So the reason I went there and helped him book hunters in is because he had scouts that would find me birds every day. All I got to do is is follow him, my truck and trailer. All right, the birds were right here. He'd have a decoy or a garbage sack out there. We're exactly where they were last night, and uh, I'm ready to roll. And while I'm goose hunting in the morning, he finally ducks in the afternoon. Okay, so I developed a close personal relationship with these guys, great guys. And, you know, they ended up, you know, they were making money and whatever. So, um, but we just got to be really good friends. Well, one of the guys, one of the guys up there, I won't say his name, but one of the guys was, uh, he worked at a fertilizer plant. So, boys, you ever want to go, you know, know where the ducks and geese are, who owns the property and where they're at and all that, go to, go to somebody who works at a seed, seed company, a fertilizer plant, a farm store or something like that. You know, every farm <laughs> around. And exactly he knew right. It. I mean, he told he sold fertilizer. He was the best. And a super unbelievable great guy who owned a farm himself. Okay, so I had my partner in the duck club at the time, who I'd said his name before, the one that admitted to clone the 27 ducks over the limit or whatever. His boy, Denny Marshutes, and his son, Jason, were up there. They flew up. And I had Mark Carey with me who worked for me, he had rode up with me, and he was going to fly him. I bought him a ticket. He was flying back home to go back to work while I stayed up there. So we've been up there quite a while, and uh, my buddy was a scout, told me, he goes, hey, my field at my house, he goes, I cut the barley and windrowed the barley. Okay, so we talked about this a little bit before, but anybody knows anything about that knows that that is the X, the dynamite. That's what that's the jewel you're looking for in Canada. It's a windrowed barley field because they will come in and eat it up. They'll go down that thing and eat that barley up, just clean it out. So, mm-hmm. in front of his house was a pine, big row of pine trees on the other side of the road. And we were up as a gradual hill where this barley was. So, we're sitting up on top of the hill looking down, and behind those pine trees, you know, it's back there, the roosting pond. And this thing was eight of every goose in the country had came there over the last five or six days to eat this barley. It was loaded. <clears throat> I hadn't seen the field. All I know is what he told me. He said, look, these guys, they'd been up there for a week or so, paid a lot of money, uh, the marshutes had. And uh, anyway, so, were, so he, he said, look, I'll give you that field. I won't even say it in the stand because you got no other hunters. You're just taking your buddies on Saturday. He goes, but I have a wild game feed next week. And he said, I want, and he goes, and I need these things killed out of this field. And I don't mean, I mean, I want them things out of my field. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm just telling you I want them killed out. I'm going to set at my house. I'll be sitting down there drinking Bailey's and coffee with my wife. I'm going to watch you, and I'm coming up there and getting my lemon order. Uh, it's your field, bud. Whatever. So here I am. This doesn't make it any better, but here I am. I'm going to be up there for a long time. My partner in my duck club, my buddy, his son, and a guy that works for me. I'm getting ready to put them on the best hunt of their life right before they go home. You follow the scenario here? So mm-hmm. we go set up that morning. Bill, The guy comes up there and tells us, to, uh, you know, helps us get set up and everything. And he goes, I'm watching you. I'll be up and get some. He goes, I you need to kill them. And he goes, you just need to get a couple more hunters deal in there. He goes, and I've got it. I've taken care of it. Okay. So 
we could kill 32 geese legally. Okay, so they come over these pine trees, and it is, it's, 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 it's an unbelievable video deal. And they had to raise up to get to us. So I'm looking eyeball to eyeball when they spread out to get in there. I mean, it was, it was fast, furious, and it was, it was, it was rolling. So anyway, somebody, I think it was Carrie said something about, I think we about got 32. We got almost 32 or something. I said, and here was another bunch. So get down, here comes some more, get another bunch. And the next bunch, we way, and then that's when we just waylaid them. And, I mean, we we just killed it. If it was a dozen, we killed them all. I mean, it was stupid. They were right in our face. And uh, I get a uh, holler from down there, one more deal. So, anyway, haircut. We killed them birds. Dog even retrieved one of them. I made him go back to the bus coming right behind him. And the Dave, the camera guy, uh, back behind me, he, he yells and says, uh, uh, he goes, we got 32, and I said, keep filming. And we shot that bunch, okay? That was the end of it. When we got done, I don't know about the 20 over. I don't know who come up with that because I don't remember that. I remember it about, it doesn't matter, it's over, it's over. But what I'm saying is, how do you come up with that number? Everybody is jumping up, high-fiving. Can you imagine this? You know, okay, the adrenaline at this point, okay? The thing that got me about it, it was wrong. It was dead wrong, but I wasn't by myself. These other three were just butchering them, you know, and nobody complained about it. They thought it was the best thing ever. The only one that said anything was the camera guy. I said, did you get it? And he goes, it was awesome. That's all he said. The guy comes up, grabs a geese. He goes, dude, I told you to kill these things out here. They were still coming. I said, hey, we're way done now. We're way where we're supposed to be right now. And they left it at that. He took the birds. And we loaded our stuff up. They laughed and cried and laughed and more and five-fived and did whatever all the way to the airport. But now, now when we get back to this story, go back there after I sold the duck club, me and him got into it and sold the duck club, the other guy, the other guy is uh, trying to steal my company, you know, and he's out with the ex and all this here. It's funny how that hunt was all my fault at that point. You know, I was, you know, I don't mind getting that ticket. Write me that ticket. Well, let's split them up. If it was twenty, then we got you know two and a half, three, three gets paid, whatever it is. Over. I'll pay that fine. But why should but, I have to take all them? I, 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 I when in the reality, of the, when in the reality of the story was, this doesn't make it right. I want, I want to get that point across. But the reality of the story. I did it because it was my buddies, and they was up there and having a good time. I mean, I, I, I can understand, Jeff, and I think you probably can too. You're you're the boss. You're in charge. So, yeah, they may lean on you harder. You might get a little bit different ticket, or but I agree, everyone, unless you said, by God, everybody keep shooting or you're fired, That's <laughs> then you get it all. But everyone's a willing participant. You make the call, let's keep shooting them. Okay, write write tickets to everybody, and yours may have an additional something. But that's so, about as far as I can see it going because everyone's a willing participant in this deal. Well, they're willing to send. I'm not getting paid to do this, other than for shooting right. video. You know, yeah. I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting paid to do it. So it was a buddy hunt. You know, so yeah. it wasn't like I was guiding them. 
it was just a buddy hunt. And mm-hmm. it sounds worse because you're, it's, it's the, the number of birds sounds worse because you're in Canada. Yeah. But it was two, you know, a little over two limits or two limits. The way I seen it was a two limits over, but yeah. I don't know about the 20, but, and the 16 deal, that deal there, I have no clue about that. I don't know about that one there. Cause that, that doesn't, uh, that was the only time I can remember doing that like that. But, but number anytime, 25. So, so let's, 20. Go, let's go back to something real fast here, Rocky. So, again, back to what I said, how do you think How do you think they knew that? How do you think they knew that, to, to, to put that indictment? How'd they know that? Those guys uh, all I'm turned in their interviews. I, I guarantee you could you look on film and can't tell it on film. I guarantee you that. There was nobody around. Immunity, please. They just come out with yep. it. Told it. Twenty number twenty five in this list. You have you have talked about extensively uh, in the past when the undercover game wardens hunted with you. Uh, Twenty six. Uh-huh. It looks like the undercover game is talking about the undercover game wardens hunt with you in Illinois. Uh, on guided hunts together, killed at least nine mallard ducks, one in excess of the sum of their daily limits. So, mm-hmm. if we could, daily bag limits were exceeded, 26C, 26D. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ex- now, I, it was the my federal brother, tagging. I with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 26E, what about this one? Uh, after the guided hunts on November 21st, 2007, while being recorded on videotape, Foles made entries into the club's picking shed records, which falsely recorded the number of migratory birds killed by particular hunters on that day. Well, if I entered, if I entered down that, that fed had four mallards that day, and he said he had three, and the other guy killed one, that's falsely writing in there. See, let's go back here and refresh everybody's memory. In Illinois, at the time, for years in Illinois, when you run a club like that or you just leased a pit, you had to pay $15 per pit, and they'd send you this chart. had name, address, amount of ducks, amount of mallards, amount of butter, blah, 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 blah. And at the end, you didn't have to put your license down, but you had to record that daily. Now, on the other part of this, I decided to be a federal picking shed so we could breast the ducks so I didn't have to put a wing in there, which I think is the grossest thing ever in a bag of breast, but meat you're going to eat. But so, and it's quicker for us. So with that, it's a pain in the butt because you have to fill out a tag, as I'm sure you've heard Ryan tell the whole time, you have to fill a tag with everything on that tag from the county you killed it in, the day, every species, hen, drake, whatever it was, you have to put in there every piece about that. On that same, and, it go, and that tag goes with the birds, stays with them till you eat them. Now, the other, and all that same information goes into a log book. So in case they want to check your logs to match that up. So let's just say Bill come up to my house and say, hey, Bill, you want some birds? Just killed some birds today. You want some birds to take home? Sure, man. Is that legal? Sure it is. They're all logs. I could give Bill them birds because it's mm-hmm. all in the log book. Now, Bill goes down the road and gets stopped. Well, you ain't got no license. Where you got these birds? Well, here's the tag. Read that. They come back and check me. I've got the log book. All good. Following? Yep. So, so there's your. So that's the log deal. The that's the log deal that we had. So 
if I go in this both both deals and log this in, and he says he only killed three, but we got you know, and he's got four laying in front of him, and he says, well, Foils, you killed that one. That's in your pile, and I only had down for three, so I use that. That's the only that's it's, it's the fight record is way that's what to put. Now, if you take if you take that same you, you take that same bird that he just said that, and you take it across the state line, what do you got now? Lacey. You got a Lacey Act. Yes, sir. So, there's my violation. Man, we could just uh, we could keep going through these all day, but pretty much they're about the same thing. They're the same thing over and over and over. It's different days. Record keeping, excessive the uh, excessive the limit, and the you know I talked about the two that were to me after reading through all these the majors sixteen and twenty. I mean the rest of them are three one, uh, mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. record keeping. I mean good grief. Yeah. So Jeff, let me ask you this. I think this is a better question. At the end of the day, when when you're hammering these out i guess i'm that's probably gonna put us too far ahead in the story mm-hmm. but what right. what makes them pull back on these to to decrease it down to two misdemeanors well that's one for your that's one for my attorney to explain it the best and when he gets on here uh i'm gonna have you ask him that question and bring that back that's more that's probably is getting ahead of because i want him to explain that but you, there's a lot of, okay, so what do you call this, what you're saying? It's a lot of hearsay here. So yeah. let's let's make this case in front of a jury, in front of a jury, which I hardly ever happened in federal court. It never hardly ever gets that far. But let's just say it was a jury. And you're sitting on that jury, and hearing what I'm telling you and what they're telling you, what are you going to do? Let me ask you this, and anybody's listening here, are you going to put a man in prison for what we just talked about there for individual bag limits? I couldn't. You're going to find him with a $100,000 fine? $100,000 fine? Are you going to charge him for the hunt when he's 14 hours away? Are you going to charge him for on a cameraman's two birds who who admittedly let his buddy kill his two? Are you going to, uh, you know, and, and when you get done with all this here, and let's say there's no immunity, this story just came out, they just let him out, who's going to get charged now? Yeah, a lot of people get charged. So... I mean, couldn't a lawyer rip these but, but witnesses we'll apart? Are you sure that you remember this? Are you 100% sure? You're asking It, it, it could have gotten interesting yeah, yeah. cross-examination. That's what I'm saying. Well, I yeah, mean, a, you, a lawyer put, could put that, go to town on put, them. Yeah. yeah, put that same, let's just put that same guy that got total immunity. First thing I'm going to say uh, Mr. Marshus, didn't you get total immunity did, uh, for shooting over the limit? Didn't you do this? Didn't you do this, man? Okay, so you got total immunity to go against him, so you got off the hook, scot free. Okay, all right. Now let's tell your story. That ruined the case before you ever got started. So, do you remember positively on this day right here that Foyles did that? Oh, wait a minute, Mark, Mr. Marshus, you worked half the time. You weren't there. Okay, so how do you know? Okay, so let's go to another day here. You know, and just keep bringing them up, and just bring a normal. Joe Hunter up there, who none of those kill over the limit, you know, ever. 
So let's just bring them up and ask them the same question. So you said, you told these guys that on three years ago, uh, on this hunt up here, you guys, did you guys all get together? Did you kill more of all three of these limits? No, sir. Well, did you kill more than your limit? Did four, you know, no, no. Did Foyles kill two or three years ago? I don't know. Are you sure he did? Did you watch him pull the trigger? Did you this crap ain't going to fly. Right. Uh, so. I, I'm, the first question that I'm I can't, asking them. I can't them, believe that it would be. <laughs> well, the first question I'm asking them when they get on the stand is, in a cross-examination is, what you eat for breakfast that morning? What you have? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What, well, I don't, when you I don't up know. That morning, what, clothes, what clothes did you have on? What kind of shells did you shoot that day? What gun were you shooting that day? Which gun case was it? How did you get to the blind? What was the name of what kind of brand of four-wheeler or whatever? Or how did you get down there? Did you put your, your waders on or did you not? Or you remember that? that everything. What was the dog's name? You know, ask all those questions. I mean, like, it, it's like, it's like Lovell ask, ask, ask you, what did you get for Christmas last year? Well, I don't know. Pretty special day, right? <laughs> uh, all you have to establish is reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. Thank you. Okay. But again, at the end of this story, at the end of this story, what did I tell you at the beginning of this? They got all the money, all the time, and all the resources, and you money you out. Pretty soon you got to cry. You got you got to give. You got to say uncle sooner or later. Yeah. And you have to yeah. listen to your attorneys. Right. I, I, I know that I'm asking. This is just a curious question. Curious, George. Did, did it ever get discussed? Hey, we're going to take. We are going to go to court. This is going to go before a jury. Sure it did. What do you think I did? I mean, Bill I, Bill knows me a lot better than you do. I'm pretty bullheaded, and Bill knows me oh, good enough. Yeah. I first thing I no no dude, we're going to court. We will get a we, no. I want a jury to hear this. You know. Oh yeah, I've been yeah. But it, as it goes and time goes, lawyer bills add up. Things are happening. Everything they know this is happening too. The indictments did it all. You know, and the money ain't coming in. It's all going out, and you got these lawyer fees. And, you're back and forth. You just and finally, after a year and a half or so, you want it over. You just want it over. It's hanging over your head. You want it over, whatever. And when your lawyer says, "Look, here's what here's the deal. Yep, you got enough money. We're going to go battle them. Better rake up another twenty, twenty, thirty grand. We'll go battle them. But what you know is, let's just go to the true facts of this. Percentages. Ninety-five percent of the time, they plea bargain. That's what they want. Ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of the time, when you battle them in court, you lose. So there's your odds. Are you going to go up against them odds? Then, Mr. Foyles, if you do go and lose, they don't want you to plea bar. They, you know, they want you to plea bar. They don't want you to fight this. So they are going to hammer you with a felony. If they, if they convict you of something, they're going to make it a felony. And there ain't no gun. So when my decision comes down to the end, I'm keeping my gun. Hmm. What 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 amazes me is in the allegations how inflammatory a lot of the wording is. I mean, uh -huh. they constantly go well, back selling wildlife, and, and that misnomer uh -huh. bothers me. I, I understand why they're saying it in some of those cases because of guides fees, or but it just to me it's selling wildlife was me charging them. 
two. It went on as two hundred fifty, then we went to two seventy five. It's charged them two hundred seventy five days to go on a duck hunt. I didn't say I'm selling you six ducks when they took the hunt. I didn't tell them that. I don't guarantee they, them a limit. I don't guarantee they paid, you nothing. They paid They're for going an experience. On they paid for an experience. Exactly. They didn't pay to be given guaranteed birds. Exactly. Nowhere hey. in it, in, in any of the things that we advertise with the Duck Club was anything about guaranteed limits, nothing like this. Nothing hmm. was in there. So, but what is what sounds better? What sounds better to them if you're them? The sale of wildlife, okay? Illegal sale of wildlife. The, I thought you were stocking all the St. Louis restaurants, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of my great-grandparents might have years ago, market hunting. <laughs> that did happen back then, you know. They put them in barrels sure. and shipped them down the river. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, and a lot of, there was a lot of restaurants down there. But, yeah, that's, that's how you... So if, if you're not paying attention, so you're just a normal guy, you're a normal hunter, you look at this, and right away when you reel illegal sale of wildlife, man, I'm the worst I'm the worst guy since the devil. You know what I'm it saying? It sounds bad. Up there, this guy selling my it sounds horrible. Yeah. So but now you're getting to the you know, now you're getting to the part where it's so aggravating to me. You know, and there was nothing you could do about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't change their wording. So, so I'll, I'll tell you this: when when Rob Heflin came back, and he he's on the podcast right now. But when he came back to be a game warden there, close by where I was guiding hunts, he's he, you know explained the tagging system to me. The just you know, you need to be keeping extensive record books of what's going on, blah blah blah. And you know, I said, you know what I said to myself? I said, you know what I ought to do? I'm just going to charge four hundred and twenty-five dollars a day for lodging. You get a free guided hunt mm-hmm. with it. Exactly. Yeah, and that's probably what you should do. You know? Yeah, it's it's like a county that's a dry beer county. I've seen it done many a time. They'll sell you a $20 cup and give you free beer. Yeah, so it's the same deal. That's what you should do. <laughs> Stay within the law. You know, I mean, so I don't know. I, I thought I was doing it right. I mean, now, now, again, write me a ticket for everything I did wrong, and I'll have no problem with that. I'll admit my guilt. I'll do whatever. Write me a ticket for me. Give me the just punishment for it and all that there. But don't go on this. You know, deal that to, to totally persecute somebody. You know, that's the part yeah. that drives me nuts. There's two things that drive me nuts about this. that, and personally, personally, we paid 2.55 million, and what did they do? They just all they did was just took some people, they took some people and squeezed them until they got something out of them. Lied to them. You're going to prison. You're going to jail. You're going down the tube. You're going to do this here to get their information about me, and then wrote it up. Go out there, get muddy, do like the guy you said, get in a scuba suit, come up underneath you and find a guy, lay out there all night and find you, stay right on my tail all the time and find me and write me a ticket. And, I, you know, I'll pat you on the back and go and pay it and say, officer, I'm sorry. But when you've got somebody else doing all your work for you and all you got to do is interrogate somebody and make them feel so bad that they're going to say, you know, Say what you're putting words in your mouth. That's pretty tough for me. Well, 
Jeff, you you had met with your your first lawyer, and you actually hired another attorney. Um, you went with a different yeah. attorney as these indict as you got this list of indictments, correct? Yeah. Right. I added to the team. Yeah. Yeah. I added a guy right here from uh, down home. Well, you've you've got our. Right, got to close this out in just a second, but. As you get these indictments, okay. you start going up over. Let's let's get into the story. Let's end it on the story note. You get well, these list of indictments. You start going them over with your lawyer. You got to be looking across at the table at your lawyer and thinking, <laughs> "What the hell?" Well, actually, he didn't. He said, "You ain't gonna believe what 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 this is." But he goes, "I need you to spend two days up here in Champaign, where his office was." I said, "For what?" I need to go some paperwork. Got up there and said, okay, get up there that morning. He said, told the secretary, give him coffee, whatever he wants to eat, lock him in his door, and here's what I want you to do. And go through there, and here's pencil and paper, and you write down everything you can tell me about everybody that's in this stack of paper. That stack of paper was a foot and a half tall. Uh, what, what are you talking What is this? That was the immunity papers right there. That was the immunity papers. And I just, my draw dropped. And I just started peeling them off the top, and I was just, my jaw dropped half. I couldn't even write nothing down. I mean, I had to go through them first before I did. And then I went in his office, and I go, you got to be kidding me. He goes, uh-uh. So, well, next next week, course, we're going to jump in. We're going to jump into those. Community. Well, that that's okay. where we're going to start next week. As you start seeing some okay. of those names that have been offered immunity and, and what they said... Let, let, let's let's go back through that emotional whirlwind and, and what you remember about that day next week. Okay. All right. All righty. Well, Jeff, thank you again, Bill. Thank you for being here. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.